friends, you have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from High V and Toyson Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. Before we get going into this episode, just a couple of uh, housekeeping notes. Be a friend, tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms. And leave us a voice message, whether it's a question, a comment, analysis, whatever. You can get that link in our podcast uh, description. So where, wherever you're listening to our podcast, like on Apple or, or Spotify, if you look at the podcast description on the bottom is a link, click on that and you just leave us a voice message that way. You don't have to dial a number or anything like that. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R. Facebook.com slash Casper Sports, also up on Instagram, Dan Casper Sports. On this episode of the podcast, we are talking uh, a little Bucks, latest on the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks head coaching search. We're going to talk a little green and gold. The Packers bringing in a safety. Uh, looks like they are officially going to be moving on from their kicker. Nothing's official yet. I don't think it's too big of a surprise, but I don't think a lot of Packers fans or a lot of people realize the stability that the Packers have had at the kicking position for 30 years, for 30-some years. So we're going to hit that up. But we begin with the podcast talking a little Milwaukee Brewers and Christian Yelich. Do we have the return of the Yelly? Been pretty darn hot as of late. Are you ready to say it's the return of the Yelly? Or are you telling everybody else out there to... Pump your brakes. Let's see it for a little bit longer. I'm probably in that category with y'all. Honestly, I'm, I'm probably in that category with you too. But still, you, you can still be excited and pumped about uh, like how the man has been playing. Not only just this past series against Kansas City, and, and that one up, you know, it got sparked up a little bit more because multi-home run game and and then yesterday you know stealing the base stealing second Kansas City overthrows it looked like a slow pitch softball kind of little circus act out there anybody who's played slow pitch softball has probably gone through this you know you, you throw it to second ball goes by gets to third ball goes by gets all the way uh to home after that all bender at some point little league baseball beer league softball it's happened it's happened but you know the the play of one Christian Yelich was has been you know brought into the spotlight a little bit more after this uh, this past weekend, um, but you look at what he has done in his last fifty six at bats three oh four batting average three three eighty one on base five thirty six slugging four home runs twelve RBIs but if we narrow it down we even cut that like in half. 25 at-bats, his last 25 at-bats, the man is hitting 400, 464, 760 slugging, three dingers, 10 RBIs. If you want to look at in terms of you know team leaders right now, he's leading the team in runs at 32, leading the team in stolen bases at 9, 
You know, he's getting up there so far this season. His batting average uh, overall is two sixty two. And it's not that far off team leader William Contreras, who's now at two sixty six. So I mean Yelly's getting up there in in batting average, being, you know, the the team leader. And right now he's tied with a few others for the team lead in, in RBIs. And he's got seven home runs. He's a couple back from, from Rowdy Telez. Rowdy's got ten. Yelly's got seven. So is he back? Too early to tell. But the arrow is definitely trending upward. And it's okay to be excited. You know, I know there's going to be some fans who are going to be cautious about this or not ready to say that or or still be skeptical on the whole thing. But you can still be excited and pumped with the play from, from Christian Yelich right now. And he's playing some darn good baseball, and you hope it continues, especially coming up, you know, against the Cards, against Tampa Bay, uh, against Houston, San Francisco, Toronto to finish out the month of May. Heck, you're, we want to see this throughout the whole entire season. We want to see Yelly being back to an all-star, right? But for all of the, you know, kind of criticism and and questioning that we have had about Christian Yelich over the last couple of years, over the last few years. It's finally kind of good to say, you know what? This dude has been playing some really good baseball. He's been playing some fantastic baseball. And you hope that because of what he's been doing so far in, in the month of May and such, it gives him that confidence. Takes a little bit maybe of the pressure off of him so he's a little bit more relaxed and continues to play at a high level. That's that's what you're hoping, right? But he is, you know, even before his, his offensive numbers, he was playing some solid defense. Left field over there. Now he's taking now he's got the hot bat with him. Guy just looks like he's having some fun out there maybe he's a little bit more relaxed and and the play is kind of proof of that right now so it's it's been a lot of fun as of late here in these last few games last couple weeks to see christian yelich having success can because honestly when was the last time we've we've said hey christian yelich has had some success last couple weeks last few games here been a hot minute Overall, Brewers-wise, this past weekend, absolute success. Did exactly what we were hoping they would do, not only win the series, but sweep the series. If you go back to uh, Friday night, Corbin Burns picking up his fourth win of the season to improve to 4-2. and two. Burnsy going, uh, going six innings, giving up just two hits. Did issue four walks, seven strikeouts. And again, I think probably you you looking at Burns so far this year in the first couple months of the season, you're like, ah, walks are up there a little bit higher than than what we had hoped or what we kind of expected so far this year. But nonetheless, going six strong innings, only giving up those two hits and no earned runs, picking up his fourth win, lowering his ERA to a 3.35. You know, Burnsy doing his thing out there. 5-1 victory. Then Brewers... Following it up with uh, another win on Saturday, four to three against uh, 
their former pitcher, Zach Greinke. Now, I know Greinke didn't get uh, charged with the loss, but Greinke went five innings, three hits, two earned runs, did have five strikeouts. This was the game where Christian Yelich did have his two-home run performance. Joey Weimer with the walk-off sacrifice fly, the youngster. So come for buying Brewers getting the uh, getting the W because Kansas City put up an early run in the first, jumped out to a two to nothing lead through three. But bottom bottom part of that inning in the third, Brewers tacking on a couple thanks to Yelly with uh, with that home run, and then squeaking out that uh, victory at the end. And then yesterday, Mother's Day. It always seems like Brewers and Mother's Day. Something, right? It just it just seems like that's that's kind of the day. And you go back to a little more old school Bill Hall. Remember back in the day, Bill Hall was always like his best games seemed like they always fell on Mother's Day. And then, I, you know, Freddie Peralta a few years ago, his performance, his debut on Mother's Day. And, well, lo and behold, Brewers yesterday picking up another win on Mother's Day, 9-6. to six. And in this one, it was thanks to that third inning, where they put up a seven-burger, seven runs in the bottom of the third, including that that weird, crazy dash to home that you all probably saw the video of. If you didn't see it live, you, you've probably already seen it you know, online. Yelly stealing second, throw gets by, gets the third, throw gets by, scampers home. But... Yeah, probably Little League, maybe even high school baseball. I know we have done it through uh, through beer league, softball. It's it's happened uh, plenty of times. But Royals had the lead going in what four to one in the bottom of that inning, and then putting up seven runs, helping propel the Brewers to uh, to another win and sweeping the series against the Royals. And now the Brewers are in back in first place. By one and a half games over the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, successful weekend for the crew. Big time successful weekend for the crew. Now begins a very interesting type of week uh, road trip coming up for the Brewer crew. Going up against the, the Cardinals. Cardinals, as we all know, having a down year so far. But I don't know of too many Brewers fans who are still, you know, who are like uber confident. Like, oh, Cardinals are out of this thing. You know, don't need to worry about them this year. We good. I don't know of any Brewers fans who have that mindset right now in, in the middle of May. And I don't know of too many Brewers fans who are like guaranteeing, maybe besides G-Man, his 401k, but uh, you know, heading into this series with with all the confidence in the world with this Brewers team going up against Cardinals. I mean, Cardinals Cardinals are one of those teams like we say it in football all the time. You know, when it comes to a divisional game, records don't matter. Play doesn't really, you know, what you've done beforehand doesn't really matter. When it comes to like division games, division games they're always different. They're always something different always happens or or something's kind of weird about but a lot of times when it comes to a division game, when we talk about it in football all the time, it's like you could throw everything out the window. 
And I kind of feel like that's the same when it comes to baseball here a little bit too. Basketball doesn't really matter, NBA. I mean, I think some people would be surprised. They got divisions in the NBA. Yeah, they do. But uh, nonetheless, still, it's still the pesky Cardinals. Would it really surprise you if the Cardinals won this series against the Brewers? It wouldn't surprise me a whole lot. You hope it doesn't happen, but you hope it doesn't surprise you too much. So, Freddie Peralta on the mound, looking for his fifth win of the season, currently 4-2 and two with a 3.32 ERA. Jack Flattery going on the mound for the Cardinals, who's 2-4 and four with a 6.18 ERA. How do the matchups go for these uh, for these guys? Well, I mean, the Cardinals, you got a few uh, a few Cardinals hitters who have plenty of experience going up against Freddy Peralta, which makes complete sense given their you know division opponent, Peralta being with the crew for the last few years and such. Uh, Arenado has had a lot of success going up against Peralta in 19 at bats. The man is hitting 368 with three home runs and seven RBIs. So, Arenado, not intimidated, not not afraid of of uh, Freddie Peralta. You know, another guy who's not intimidated by Freddie Peralta, Paul Goldschmidt. Now, these are two of the best of the best. You know, Arenado and Goldschmidt. So, I mean, they're going to have some good numbers against a lot of pitchers. But in this case, with the familiarity with it, it's worth noting Goldschmidt also 368 in 19 at-bats, two home runs, six RBIs. Uh, Paul Zhang's uh, in 11 at-bats, 273. Contreras, a lot of it coming uh, during his time with the, with the Cubbies, 235 in 17 at-bats. And during his career against Freddie Peralta, then you got a few uh, players on here with a handful of handful of at bats. On the flip side, Brewers lineup going up against Jack. You have Willie Adamas. Not as much experience. You got a couple dudes on here. One of them being Yelich, but uh, you got a couple dudes with double digit at bats. But not. I mean, Cardinals a little bit more experience against uh, Freddie Peralta here. But Willie Adamas, the seven at bats, has had some success in his uh, limited amount couple games worth. Seven at-bats, two home runs, three RBIs, hitting 429 against him. Uh, you got uh, uh, Brian Anderson, nine at-bats, just 222. Does have a home run and four RBIs against him. But the uh, two players who have had the most experience going up against Jack from the Cardinals is Jesse Winker and Christian Yelich. Jesse Winker a lot of it coming when he was with you know, you know in the in the central back in the day, but uh, you've got in his ten was it uh, where did it just go there you, in his eighteen career at bats eighteen career at bats you've got two home runs two RBIs hitting three eighty nine uh, against him three eighty nine against him. So you're looking at at Jesse Winker, and this is a man who has been going through a rough stretch right now, right? He's going through a little bit of a rough stretch. His last 16 at-bats, he's only hitting 063. You want to expand it a little bit more? 34 at-bats, 206. 78 at-bats, just 218. Considering his success going up against Jack Flaherty tonight, could this be a game that maybe 
propels Jesse Winker to get some confidence and go on a little bit of a run here. Maybe go through through a positive stretch. Maybe, possibly. But we'll see. But he's had success. Has had some really good success throughout his career against him. And then one Christian Yelich, the man who we were just talking about, who's been having some uh, who's been on a nice run here a little bit. He also has had some darn good success against Jack Flaherty throughout his career. 31 at-bats, by far the most out of anybody in both these lineups against their opposing pitchers. 31 at-bats, 290, couple of home runs, couple of RBIs on there too. So that's kind of your breakdown in, in terms of the pitching matchups and such. And if you're looking at this series with the Cardinals, it, it the pitching... The pitching matchups, to me, favor the Brewers. You've got Peralta tonight. You've got Wade Miley tomorrow. Then Burnsy is going up on uh, on Wednesday. So then you're like, you know, not to look too far ahead, but you're like, okay, well, who's going up against Tampa Bay then at that point? You know, how's the rotation going to work out there going up against Tampa? But let's let's focus on the series at hand here. So, I mean, you're looking at this and you're thinking, I think at least, the pitching matchups favor favor the Brew Crew. But can the offense help out this Brewers pitching staff and putting up some runs and, and uh, you know, getting them the support that they, that they need here? I think the Brewers win this series. I like the pitching matchups. I like how it's all going to work out. I... I say I'll, I'll kind of go the easy route and say they'd get two out of three, at least two out of three. But it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals win the series, but it also wouldn't surprise me if the Brewers get the brooms out and sweep the series too. I just I think the pitching favors the Brewers. I think Miley's going to have a bounce back game after his performance against the Dodgers, and I think he's going to. He's going to pick up a W. You look at Freddie Peralta. He's coming off of a, a win against the Dodgers where he went six innings, three hits, just giving up one earned run. I mean, he's been pitching well as of late. You're looking at his last three starts, uh, one earned run, two earned runs, two earned runs. He's 2-0 and in his last three starts with a no decision against Colorado where he went six innings, gave up two earned runs, but struck out 10. I mean, Peralta's pitching well too. So, I like the Brewers in this three-game set against the Cardinals. Have you started planning your summer vacations yet? Making that checklist of things you need to do before that vacation? Now, let me ask you the next question. Are you confident your vehicle can handle that road trip that you're planning? If you hesitated, the answer is no. So here's what you do. Just visit Toyson Ford and check out their new and used inventory to upgrade that vehicle of yours. Or you can schedule an appointment with their service center to get your vehicle ready for that road trip. Make your vacations this summer more memorable with the help from Toyson Ford. The latest in the Bucks coaching search. Add another name that has been reported out there that uh, will interview. The Milwaukee Bucks are planning, according to The Athletic, that uh, they will interview Mark Jansen or Mark Jackson, excuse me. He is a current basketball analyst. You, you know, you hear him on the uh, telecast with Jeff Van Gundy and such. But uh, the Bucks planning to to chat with him. Jackson was a finalist for the Kings job 
uh, last offseason before it went to now NBA coach of the year Mike Brown. But Mark Jackson is has been a name that has been floated out ever since he was let go by the uh, by the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. Because right after he was let go, Steve Kirk comes in, Warriors begin their dynasty, right? And they begin their dynasty. And and many of like asked like why hasn't Mark Jackson ever got another coaching job? Like what what's what's going on? You've heard some theories out there or speculation and and such. You know, you you've you've we've heard pretty much everything about it. But the last time Mark Jackson coached was the 2013 2014 season when the Golden State Warriors were 51 and 31. Uh, he only coached three years. 2011 and 12 was his first year. Guided the uh, Warriors to a 23 and 43 record in 66 games. Followed that up with a 47 and 35 record, and then that 51 and 31 record. But hasn't had another shot in a league that we have seen so many retreads. Right, guys getting two, three, sometimes four opportunities to become a head coach. It's always kind of been like, why hasn't Mark Jackson been out there? So, would you be good if the Bucks hired Mark Jackson, who hasn't coached in nearly ten years, but still been around the game and on the sideline calling games and such? We know Kenny Atkinson has been reported. Scott Brooks. Adrian Griffin, James Barago. You know, those, majority of those are former head coaches, head coaching experience. But will they continue to add more? And then, of course, uh, Charles Lee, their, their current uh, associate head coach assistant, who's also a finalist for the uh, for the Detroit Pistons. Now, I know Bucks fans are still waiting. I would say the majority of Bucks fans are probably still waiting to hear the name Nick Nurse, the former Toronto Raptors head coach. Why isn't he involved? Why isn't he a part of these reports? Well, I feel like, I don't know if if Milwaukee essentially has a deadline. They probably, I would think, would want a coach in place before the draft next month. I think that would probably be the case. Now, I know there was a report from the Athletic that the Bucks would be, or, or at least are looking at, currently employed NBA coaches to considering currently employed NBA coaches and that was a week or so ago now we've got Monty Williams who was let go Monty Williams could he be a potential target for for the Bucks? the one name I'll still throw out there now and with recent events I just kind of wonder like would he be a guy that would be open to Potentially moving on if the Bucks were were interested in him, and that's and that's the Grizzlies head coach Taylor Jenkins. I know I brought him up the other day, but he's a former Bucks assistant. He was a he was an assistant with the Bucks from 2018 to 2019. Been the head coach with the Grizzlies since 2019. Has kind of led their resurrection, if you will. Yes, John Morant and such have you know been a big part of that, but. John Moran is also the other reason why I kind of wonder if Taylor Jenkins has that possibility to possibility to maybe go somewhere else. 
would he would he take that? Because over the weekend it was reported that John Morant has been suspended again from Grizzlies team activities for flashing a firearm in an Instagram video. And if you remember, it was during the season two, towards the end of the season, he was suspended for doing the same thing. So now you got the Dylan Brooks thing where, you know, you got the Grizzlies saying, we ain't bringing him back at all. Or he ain't coming back. And you just kind of wonder, it's like, okay, a lot of drama going on right now with Memphis, with John Morant and, and, and that sort of thing. And you look at the job that Taylor Jenkins has done with the with the Memphis Grizzlies during his, his time there as, as head coach for the last few years. This past year, two-seed. As a reward for being the two seed, they had to go up against the Lakers, who are now in the conference finals. Previous year, also I believe was the uh, was the two seed. But 2019, 2020, his first year, 34 and 39. Followed that up, 38 and 34, 56 and 26, 51 and 31. Has a relationship, has uh, you know, worked with Giannis. Giannis knows him, knows him well. I was trying to see if there was any like connections with Giannis and Taylor Jenkins, and the only thing I could find was that uh, there was a game. I think was it twenty twenty one? Maybe there was a tweet that said Giannis giving a big hug to Taylor Jenkins before tip off between you know the bucks and the grizzlies I was trying to find really quickly like whether there was an article written about uh, the connection or the relationship between the two but no doubt Taylor Jenkins has that connection with Giannis now for some bucks fans they may not want a guy like Taylor Jenkins because well he is a Mike Budenholzer protege was an assistant under Budenholzer for 5 seasons 2013 to 2018 followed him over to Milwaukee 18 and 19. So maybe for some, they don't want anybody who's a part of the Budenholzer tree or maybe coming from the same coaching full background of, of Mike Budenholzer. And I get that. I understand that. I do. I really do. And I really have no, like there isn't just a, a, a coach out there for me when it comes to the box that is just head and shoulders above everybody else. It's just there isn't that that coach out there for me. Like that that star target out there. And now that you've got Phoenix with a job opening. Now that you got Phoenix with a job opening. With KD and Booker under contract for a long term. Milwaukee with with Giannis, but now you got some questions about you know, Middleton and Brooke Lopez, but they still got Drew Holiday. Which, and, and a new owner in Phoenix, which job opening would be more attractive to potential head coaches out there? Would it be Phoenix, who is like, we want a championship now, we want to win this, they got KD, they got Booker, Devin Booker, as, as their top two? Milwaukee, you've got Giannis and, and Drew Holiday because we don't know the status of Chris Middleton. Not a lot of other wiggle room after that. Which one is more attractive? 
I'm sure a lot of people, maybe especially our listeners, would still say Milwaukee because, you know, you've got Giannis, who is like less of a diva of a superstar than some of the other superstars out there. And that definitely is a, I would think at least, a big, attractive, you know, part of that. But I just, I don't think there is that one coach that is head and shoulders above everybody else right now. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. But would you be good with Mark Jackson? Or do you think the Bucks? I mean, and I don't know what Taylor Jenkins' like contract situation is, like if the Bucks would have to like send some players or draft picks. But the thing is, like, how many darn draft picks do the Bucks even have left at this point? They sent five second-rounders for Jay Crowder, for crying out loud. Monty Williams, now that he's let go, but then you're like, well, you know, Boonles are beat him in the finals, so why would we want Monty Williams as head coach for for the Bucks? Man, I just think there's just no um attractive like I shouldn't say attractive head and shoulders coach out there that is like the cream of the crop. That like everybody's clamoring to try to hire. I don't that's realistically available. Eric Spolstra's not realistically available unless there's something that's we don't know about. But I feel like this list is probably going to grow. I know there's still a lot of Bucks fans that want Air, uh, Nick Nurse. I honestly would be surprised if the Bucks didn't at least talk to him. I would be surprised with that. I think they've got about a month to, to figure this out because I would think you'd want your coach in place before the draft. Not saying that it has to be, but I would think maybe you'd want your coach in place before the draft. Summer is a busy time. Holidays, vacations, get-togethers, which also means you're going to need a lot of food. So you need a go-to place you can trust that has the widest selection of products with the best prices and the best fuel saver program in the Chippewa Valley. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From their meat department, deli, bakery, and more, Hy-Vee has you covered for all those get-togethers and vacations for this summer. Plus, save more money for your vacations with their epic fuel savers program. Make it a memorable and epic summer with the help from Hy-Vee. Packers signing uh, a safety on Friday. Jonathan Owens. Jonathan Owens, formerly of the Houston Texans, signing up with uh, with the Green Bay Packers on Friday. Majority of people probably know him as the uh, as the husband of Olympian Simone Biles. So they Simone Biles was I think she might have been the one to break it on Twitter I think posting up uh, something on Twitter saying go pack go she was also looking for like some uh, suggestions where to go to hit up in Green Bay you know shopping eating and, and that sort of thing so if you're on Twitter and you want to help her out you can uh, you can do that but uh, Jonathan Owens looking at it from from a football side of things his breakout year was was last year this was a guy who was. Originally brought in as an undrafted uh, rookie free agent a few years ago. Has been cut uh, a few times. And and you look at his career, you know, up until before last year, it was, you know, kind of kind of up and down. 2021, he played in seven games. Had a total of 18 tackles. But 2022, getting a chance, played in all 17 games. Was second on the Texans team for tackles. Had a total of 125 
uh, tackles. Did get a sack. No, no picks. Uh, in case anybody was wondering there, but uh, you look at this and and you look at this signing and and you kind of wonder like, does that possibly single the end of Adrian Amos? And I and and I never say never, I guess. But if you kind of want the the Packers did issue number thirty one, not to Jonathan Owens, but they gave it to another safety named James Wiggins on the roster and Adrian Ward thirty one and that sort of thing. So if if you're into reading things like that, I I, I guess it would say, well, he's not coming back if they gave his number away. That sort of thing. I mean, you know, who we'll see how that all plays out. But I think this is a this is a move that provides a little bit more depth at the safety position. Still not 100% secure or confident in the position. Darnell Savage is your leader right now. you got Ford coming back. Now, remember, Rudy Ford was mostly brought in last year for special teams, but you know his game against the Cowboys where he had a couple picks, it's like, all right, get him more playing time at safety position. I'm sure he'll get more of an opportunity this year too. It's probably going to be an open battle. I love the seventh-round pick, Anthony Johnson, from from Iowa State. Can he be a starter day one? Who knows? I mean, never say never. But I love the fact that he's a corner turned safety. He's a physical defender, Anthony Johnson Jr. But I honestly think outside of Darnold, and and I keep going back to what was it uh, shortly after the draft when they restructured, or it was right before the Jordan Love contract, uh, new contract, our, our good buddy Rob Domoski had noted that uh, the Packers had planned to make Darnell Savage more of a, a focal point of the defense. And, and, and I'm curious how they're going to go about that or how they're going to do that because were you, like, playing him out of position? I mean, we've been hearing about could he be a star type of candidate, star being, like, the nickel corner. Like I, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to put him in a position to to make him more of a feature part of the defense. But I think when we get to training camp coming up here in July, end of July into August, the safety group is definitely going to be one group that I really want to keep my eye on and see how it all plays out. Now, it's not to say that this is the current guys that they got is the future of the safety group, but... You know, bringing in a guy like Jonathan Owens, who last year had that quote breakout season. You bring him in, you see if he can kind of build upon that. Maybe be a staple back there. He gives you some more special teams depth if you need it. It's kind of a low risk, buy low type of situation. Maybe it develops into you know a big time reward at that point. But I mean, there's a lot of new and younger faces on this on this Packers team. There's no doubt about it. And one of them, I mean, is one of those older faces that uh, looks to be moving on. And again, no big surprise is is uh, Mason Crosby. Now, his wife had tweeted over the the weekend, essentially saying their their goodbye, saying a chapter you know is is closed. During their time in in Green Bay, is his wife Molly uh, Crosby. 
Now, she actually had replied to Simone Biles, who was seeking Green Bay recommendations. And in her reply, Molly Crosby wrote that she and her husband just ended a 16-year run with the team. Uh, saying, sad we will miss you. We just ended a 16-year run with the team. That being said, I've got stuff I need to share with you. Little City with big heart and some, all in caps, amazing stores and restaurants. We loved our time there, and so will you. Let's talk coats, boots, custom, packer, gear. Now, and then she had retweeted another tweet. Somebody had said, can't believe you guys are done. They're crazy. She had retweeted it, quote tweet, as the kids say. I know it sort of feels like graduating high school, but sadder. Now, I don't think too many people are surprised Mason Crosby if it is true, won't be returning to, to Green Bay. Anders Carlson gets drafted. You draft the quarterback, or excuse me, you draft a kicker. I mean, chances are, and you're an older kicker with, you know, your free agent, chances are pretty slim that you'll be coming back to to the team that was employing you. Now, if we go back to a couple months ago, a few months ago, Goody kind of gave the impression that yeah, they were going to bring back Mason Crosby. If you were listening to some of his interviews and pressers, I think it was at the uh, was it at the combine, maybe. But it kind of gave the impression that he was going to. They were bringing back Mason. Like, all right. But now things changed with the with the draft. Maybe they didn't expect uh, a kicker that they had ranked high or rated high to to be in that position. So things changed at that point, but. Again, I don't think too many people are, are, are surprised that Mason looks like won't be coming back. But I hope, again, that uh, that Packers fans don't take for granted what, what Mason has has done during his time in Green Bay. And really, I hope they don't take for, for granted the stability that the kicking position Green Bay has had since really 1989. 1989 was the first year for Chris Jackie over in Green Bay. And then his final year being 96. But who came in in 96? Remember, was that the uh, Brett Conway draft? But they also had this kid named Ryan Longwell that the, the 49ers had, official, or had originally, I think, uh, nabbed or grabbed. Green Bay brings him in. And then Ryan Longwell from 97 up until 2005. Had a pretty solid year for, for Green Bay. And then you had 2006, the one-year gap year, Dave Rayner. Remember Dave Rayner was, was the kicker, just like a strong leg. He wore 16 for, for Green Bay. But then after that season, Packers, Going to sixth round, 193 overall, 193rd overall. They draft this kid named Mason Crosby in the 2007 NFL draft out of Colorado. And he goes on to be the all time Packers points leader, 97 to 2022. 16 years. 16 years with one team, a kicker. 
we don't see that too often in, in today's NFL. We don't see a kicker stick around for as long as Mason has. And there was plenty of times. I mean, there there was a, really a couple of times. I think we all kind of thought Mason's done. You know, we had struggles. Remember the uh, remember the family night fiasco from a while back? And then what was it, the, the game against the Lions and such? I mean, there was times that Green Bay could have let him go. And honestly, I don't think too many Packers fans would have been too upset or disagreed with the decision that much. And that's what makes Mason's career a little bit more unique, too, is that the team stuck with him. They really stuck with him. Even through his lows. It was that 2012 season, because he was just 63.6% from... uh, from from his uh, from scoring, sixty three point six percent. To put that in a little perspective, he's a career eighty one point four. And the year prior, in two thousand eleven, he was eighty five point seven. His best uh, is twenty twenty, where he was a hundred percent. Now his field goals, he was uh, sixteen of sixteen. He didn't he didn't kick too many field goals that year, sixteen of sixteen. But he played in every game. Last year coming off of an 86.2% season. And that was when he had a little bit of a cleanup on his knee, missed what, all preseason and that. But you look at the the stability that this team has had. And I know people don't like to give a lot of credit to kickers or special team players or punters or long snappers or whatever. It's one of those positions that you maybe take for granted a little bit if you got a solid option, you got a solid player at that position. You don't necessarily have to worry about too much. And then when you don't have a guy there or you have you have your issues, you're like, oh my gosh, get this guy out of here. We need a new kicker. You don't worry about it until you need to worry about it. But you look at the longevity that Green Bay has had from 89 all the way up until 2022, with the odd year of 2006 in there with Dave Rayner. It's remarkable to have three kickers. Let's just count three kickers from 89 to 2022. That, that to me, shouldn't get overlooked that much. It's fantastic. It's, it's an amazing run. And it's highlighted by Mason being there for 16 years, from 07 to this past year? Now, was Mason is Mason going to be a Hall of Fame kicker? No. He's not. He'll be a Packers Hall of Famer. He ain't going to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. It's already hard enough to get in as a kicker and a punter to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, and Mason's not going to get in there. And was he the strongest-legged guy you know, in these last few years? No. He wasn't. But there's saying, but there's something to say about kicking in Lambeau Field, and kicking in those elements, kicking in the wind, and knowing that Mason's a big time golfer, loves to golf, and you kind of wonder with like you know if you ever hear him talk and kind of understand some of the swirling winds that go on in Lambeau, if that golf experience helped him out a little bit, kind of you know. Anybody who's golfed, you play the wind a little bit, maybe tee it up a little bit to the left, and you know you play the wind so it goes a little bit right. I'm sure that kind of factored into into Mason's, you know, kicking in that. But 
I don't think people kind of realize just the the stability that that position has had pretty darn remarkable now if Carlson is the new kicker for for Green Bay if Anders Carlson is is that next in the in the line of uh, of kickers long uh, you know good kickers to come through Green Bay hopefully it starts another run hopefully he's around for a while if I'm being honest with you I am a little bit nervous you you look at his numbers in college inconsistency was probably one of the biggest things to pop out dude's big though i mean he's 65 he's a, he's a big kicker i just worry about a little bit of the consistency and you know kicking in lambo kicking in kicking in the elements over there hopefully he can adjust quickly hopefully he can figure out you know the 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 wind swirls and and all that, because I'll tell you, I don't I don't want to go through a kicking situation. And again, I'm not trying to pick on our friends to the west here. I don't want to go through kind of some of the stuff that that Minnesota has gone through with their kickers. I don't want to lose a, a playoff game on a 25 yard chip shot or, or something like that or whatever it was. And yeah, and. and you know, going back to Mason here for a second, you think about some of the the iconic and clutch kicks that that man has had. Dallas, right playoff game. Ah, uh, the Forty ers game was it a Sunday night game? And uh, was it the second year under the floor? It was the summer of Rogers. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to play? That sort of the drama there. And you know what? Three quick passes and Crosby just nails that that booming of a kick. I mean, he's had some. Iconic kicks, and and you know what the the ironic thing is, is that Mason's last game winning kick here came against the Cowboys at Lambeau overtime. And really, if we want to connect some dots, Mason a good fit for him right now. If he wants to continue his career, Cowboys. Mike McCarthy's there. Mason is a Texan, Texas native. Graduate high school in in Texas. Got a little bit of you know that dome factor in there. John Fossil, the special teams coordinator for the Cowboys, just recently said, "quote They will consider anybody else on earth for kicker." And he even mentioned names like Mason Crosby, Robbie Gold. While well, you factor in the familiarity with with Mike McCarthy. It kind of makes sense to to throw in a guy like uh, like maybe Mason Crosby on there, but to to kind of wrap it up, I think it's not a big surprise. Green Bay's moving on from from Mason, if that is in fact the case. Sure looks like it, but I hope again fans don't take for granted what what Mason did during his time in Green Bay. I know he's a kicker. Not everybody likes kickers or punters or anything like that. But I think when you when you factor in the the stability that that Packers team has had at that position, that's pretty darn amazing. Pretty darn amazing.
That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.